I have a friend who told me the story. He had a, uh, an old saint of the church, someone that had been in the church from the very beginning. And one day, coming home from a church service, she walked into her house and she found a burglar in her house. Caught him red-handed, trying to steal stuff from her. Being a woman of God, she, the only thing that could come to her mind was Scripture. And so she yelled out, Acts 2.38. That is, repent and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ so that your sins would be forgiven. Acts 2.38, she yelled out. Stop, Acts 2.38. The burglar, the robber, just froze in fear and fell to his face on the ground, shaking like, like a leaf. It was really crazy. This old saint just calmly called the police. Police came, cuffed the guy, and asked him, What's, what, was the, what happened there? I mean, all she did was yell out a scripture. Scripture, he says. She yelled out that she had an axe and two thirty-eights. That's always pretty fun. I'm thinking that maybe we all get a, we get confused when we talk about a call to repentance. Maybe there is a feeling that God is waiting somewhere with a great big stick to beat us into submission. Or to get us back in line, because we're, we, we drifted. We, we got out of line. So God's, God's got this big stick, and we're, we're just wait, he's just waiting to deliver that pain. So repentance gets this kind of like stigma to it. It leaves a bad taste in, in our mouth at times. In the 70s, there was this, this term that came to be very popular. Maybe you remember it, turn or burn. Remember that? It, it always used to annoy me when I heard preachers say that from the pulpit. really ticked me off. Because I can't think of anything further from the Father's heart than turn and burn. I think mostly, I think it should be this. Turn and learn and then burn for the heart of God. See, there's a huge difference there. There's a, a, a perception there that is so radically different from that turn and burn mentality that's waiting for God to be... Because if I don't turn, man, I'm going straight to hell. That's not, that's not God's heart. It says that God is not willing that any should perish. That all come to repentance. I think all in the Greek means all. I think it means everybody has this great opportunity to repent and come to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. In this series on holiness, we've already talked about that because of what Christ has done on the cross, because we have accepted Jesus as our Messiah, that we are morally blameless. Positionally, in Christ, we are without blemish. We're also physically pure. We have been made clean, washed by the blood of Jesus Christ. And we're also ceremonially set apart. We are set apart for him. To be a holy nation. To be a holy people. People that are hunger and just want his heart. So that our life, every part of our life is 
just burning with a desire to serve him. Positionally, because of what Christ has done, that is the truth. That's who we are. And yet, God continues to give us this gift called choice. We still get to choose to sin. And sin is a choice, just like anything else. We choose to sin. I don't believe when we have surrendered our lives to Christ, when we become Christ followers, that we, we, I believe that our sin nature has been obliterated by the blood of Jesus Christ. I believe the scriptures teach that, and I believe that is true. Let's go to Romans 8. Romans 8. This is a powerful scripture. Romans 8, 12 to 13. So then, brothers, we are debtors, not to the flesh, to live according to the flesh. Okay. We, we don't owe anything to our flesh, our former nature. Okay. It doesn't have any hold on us anymore. We owe nothing to it. It doesn't have a hold on to it on, on us. That's what that's saying. For if you live according to the flesh, if you live if you choose to live that way, you're you're going to eventually die in your sins, okay? But if you live by the Spirit, you put to death the deeds of the body you will live. That put to death phrase actually means to mortify. And that old term actually means to kill something. This scripture is saying that we have the power, if we walk in the Spirit, to kill sin in our lives. Doesn't that just blow your mind? Just blew mine. Not much left, not much left of mine, but it blew mine again. Now think about this. Think about this. Because we are, for all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. And that word for sons includes women, okay? That, that's a generic term of, of men and women. It could be children of a God here. If we're his kids, think of the power that we have, the authority that we have because we're his sons and daughters. We can, according to this scripture, put to death Find out the root cause of sin in our lives and kill it. It was really what the picture of this presents here. To go to the root cause of something and cut it out. Rip it up so that it no longer grows again in our life. We have the power to put to death sin. Wow. Blows my mind every time I read that scripture. Why is that true? Because when sin comes into the light, what happens? It's exposed to the light and it dies. The light of God. It can't survive when it's exposed and brought into the light. That's why by walking in the Spirit, walking a life of repentance... Walking a life of repentance is walking in the Spirit of God, okay? It is not merely, it is reconnecting to God's heart over and over again. See, again, this whole point about walking a holy life is an invitation to be with the Father in a closer way. And repentance is one of the ways that we get to do this when we fall, when we stray, 
when we sin. The Bible calls sin a lot of times in the Old Testament, it calls it rebellion. And I like that because I can, kind of, I can understand that because of my own history. When I rebelled against God, when I walked away from God for about four years, when I tried to find myself into drugs and drinking and everything else that I tried, I was rebelling against God's ways, His words, His plan for my life. I was in rebellion. I was sinning. And I, it just somehow that word makes me understand this whole concept of sin. And how we don't have to be debtors to it. It doesn't have to have a hold on us. Sin wants you to remember your failure. Sin wants you to remember your failure. Repentance wants you to remember the goodness of God. And then return to Him. That is the picture that we see in the prodigal son story. Oh, man, I love this story. The younger son comes to his senses. And we're going to see in a little minute that actually the word repent actually means to think differently. He comes to his senses and, and he realizes what has happened. He has squandered his inheritance on riotous living, the Bible says. He loses everything, winds up in a pigsty, and finally comes to his senses and says what? You know what? It is better to be in my father's house as a slave than to be here. He comes to his senses. He realizes that it's his goodness that I've got to go back to. It says in the word that it's God's kindness that leads us to repentance. That word leads. It's beautiful. God leads us to repentance. He shepherds us to repentance. Comforting us along the way. Drawing us home to His heart. Repentance is a beautiful expression of God inviting us back. That's what it is. It's not this Oh, I've got to go through this thing. I've got to repent and then, oh, you know, it's such a hassle. I've got to deal with this stuff. But no. It's an invitation by God to bring us back into his house. That's the beauty of repentance. The Greek word for repent actually means to change one's mind after a deep reflection. And it is more than just thoughts. As with the Bible, a lot of times when it talks about the mind, it's talking about the heart and the spirit and the soul all together. So when this deep reflection happens, when we come to our senses and then we start to turn, it's a deep reflection that causes a turn. And in this case, a turning towards God. And it produces something that's that's essential for repentance to stick. And it's this thing that we call godly sorrow. Godly sorrow. Go to the Second Corinthians 
And it says this. For godly sorrow produces a repentance. Reversal, reformation, and changing of mind. That leads to salvation without regret. Whereas worldly sorrow produces death. Here's the difference between godly sorrow and worldly sorrow. Godly sorrow is this. will desire change. And there's no satisfaction until there is change. It's an eagerness, a, a hunger to be clean. And a godly sorrow will free you to take action. And the first action is to repent. It could uh, include uh, reconciliation, restitution, depending on what God asks you to do after that. But your, your, your heart's in a position to do whatever God asks you to do. That's what godly, godly sorrow produces. A worldly sorrow is this. This is sorrow that keeps you captive, that binds you, that makes you unwilling to change. It is the kind of sorrow that, oops, I've been caught, so I better, I better fess up. We all know how that works out. It doesn't last very long. There's no real change in that hard attitude. And it only leads to death. Death of relationships. Death of our, our spirit, being able to communicate to God. All those things, all those kinds of, those kinds of destruction. It's a sorrow that's more concerned with feeling bad than actually changing. I've experienced that in my own life. I've been so kind of consumed with just feeling bad about something I've done instead of actually changing something to make it effective. That's the difference between godly sorrow and worldly sorrow. One produces life. One produces death. And we get to choose either one. Romans 12.2 says this about changing our mind. Do not be conformed that word means to be to pattern oneself after to this world, but be transformed, changed into something else. It's actually the word used for metamorphosis. But be transformed by the renewal, the renovation for the better of your mind. And this word mind means your understanding and your will. That by testing you might discern what is the will of God and what is good and acceptable. And perfect. To understand what is holy is what those words mean. So a mental transformation is really starting to think like God. Remember, we talked about last week about the pure in heart should see God, see how God works, see how God loves, see how God lives so that we can be like Him. It's the same thing here. Now we've got to not only have the heart of God, we want to have the mind of Christ here. To be able to start to think like God thinks. So that we know what is good, perfect. Know what to follow. Know when to follow. Talked about the Greek word for repent. One of the Jewish words for repent means to return. Feel sorrow for. And turn back and restore. And God urges his people over and over again to return to him. And it says in Isaiah 44, 22... I have wiped 
that means to exterminate. Remember, we talked about killing something. To exterminate. I have wiped out your transgressions. And that word means rebellion. Cover them like a thick cloud and your sins like a heavy mist. Return to me, for I have redeemed you. Love this word, what this word redeem means. It means avenge, ransom, and act like your kin. I acted like you were a part of my family when I ransomed you. Wow. God always wants to look like Father to us. That's why repentance is this wonderful thing of just returning to his heart. Do you see a big stick in there? The only time that he's using a big stick is against the sin. Not against his people. He's going to exterminate that from us. Wow. Mm. All right, so if repentance is this invitation to come back to, to connect, connect with God's heart. I like to call repentance as kind of like a, a cleansing breath. You know, you take a deep breath. Let it cleanse you. Let it come out. In with the good, out with the bad kind of a thing. I don't know about you, but sometimes when I repent, and maybe you feel this way, Sometimes I, I feel like it doesn't stick. You ever feel that way? Then maybe it's just not enough. You just repented. You tell God you were sorry for what you've done, and you don't want to do it anymore, so you pray this prayer, and you go, okay, I repented, and that's it. You ever feel that way? Am I the only one raising my hand? <laughs> you didn't have to raise your hand, but now I pointed you out. No, it's not. There's a reason I think that. I think because there's something that we forget to do. And maybe because we haven't really been taught enough to do this. 2 Corinthians 4.2 says this. But we have renounced disgraceful, underhanded ways. We refuse to practice cunning or to tamper with God's word. But by the open statement of the truth, we would commend ourselves to everyone's conscience in the sight of God. And it's really the beginning of the scripture that I want to concentrate on. It's the word renounce. In the English, it's a powerful word. It means to give up or refuse. But in the Greek, it actually means to declare, to call out and disown. Oftentimes when we repent, we forget to renounce our sin. We forget to call it out into the light. bringing it to the light. And what we're going to do by renouncing is disown it. Declare that it doesn't have any power or authority over us. The other meaning for, for this Greek word, for renounce, it's very simple, but extremely powerful. It's the word no. 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 This has no power over me. This sin that I'm renouncing, that I'm calling out to the light, has no authority over me. I will not give it authority. 
I will not choose it to have authority over me. No. No. It doesn't have power over me anymore. I have called it out. I renounced it. It's the power to say no. Titus 2, 11 through 12 says this, For the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation for all people, training us to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, and that means sound-minded, sober, to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in this present age, right now. I think renouncing is kind of is kind of connected at the hip with this other word that I think that maybe we kind of got out of practice with, and it's the word confession. I think it's another word that somehow is very uncomfortable for us to live in, but it's powerful for freedom. The Bible teaches it over and over and over again about confession. Proverbs 28.13 says this, Whoever conceals his transgressions will not prosper, but he who confesses and forsakes them will obtain mercy. The Hebrew word here is awesome. It means to hold one's hands out like this. Palms out and up. Just like this. It means to bemoan what has just happened. Bemoan is an interesting word. Deep sorrow. The other word, the other meaning of it is actually to pick up a rock and throw something. You get this picture of a wild animal charging down after you and there's rocks around you. What are you going to do? You're going to pick up a rock and you're going to start chunking as hard as fast as you can. That's the picture of this. I, I'm confessing this. This thing is so repulsive to me that I bemoan it. It causes me great sorrow, and I want to defeat it. So I'm going to pick up a rock and I'm going to stone it. This is how serious God wants us to approach sin in our lives. But not because He's got a big stick, He's actually giving us a big stick in order to beat these things out of our own lives, to to beat it before it beats us. Oh, the other thing about this position, this this hands out and palms up, what's it look like? This whole concept, what the Jewish mindset here, with hands out, bemoaning what they have done, picking up a rock and throwing it at this wild animal called sin to get it out of their lives, See, the worship mindset, this is worship. All that's worship. All of it is worship. Repentance is worship. 1 John 1.9 says this, If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. Uh, the Greek word here, confess, means to declare with a covenant thought. And I'm in covenant with someone. So I'm going to acknowledge that covenant and I'm going to promise to keep it. I'm confessing something with the mindset, with a change of my mind. You know what? I'm in covenant with this, with this person, with, with God. 
and I'm going to keep my promise. There's a, there's a real seriousness to this. That sounds like obedience to me. Scripture says that obedience is better than sacrifice. Again, we're talking about a worship mindset here. This is changing the way I see God, even though I, I, I always thought I saw God pretty clearly. Guess what? Walking a life of holiness is meant to free us. Walking a life of holiness is supposed to generate life in us. Walking a life of holiness is supposed to connect us to, to the Father's heart, to, to be in His house, to be with Him. Unafraid of anything that we're going to have to walk out after we repent. Because He's good. Because He leads us to repentance. Because He invites us into it. Because He knows what the result is for us. What a kind and loving Father. So how do I renounce sin? Maybe uh, you said, okay, this is a good concept. I don't know. What do you mean by renouncing sin? I, I made up this simple prayer. Maybe this will help you. Father, I renounce this sin. Fill in the blank. I renounce it letting it have a hold on me and a place in my life. I call it out in the open. I reject it. And I remove this sin in the name of Jesus. Sound too complicated, does it? It's basically saying, you know what, here's this, Father, this is area of my life that I know is sin. It's, it's been exposed, it's out in the open. You know what, I reject its authority. You know, if you bow to something, what are you doing? You're worshiping something. If you've given a, something, something that has a hold on you, you've given authority to it to have authority over you. You've done this. You are now worshiping this thing. You may not want to worship this thing, but this is what is happening. What Father is saying is, no, that's not the life I have for you. Repent. Renounce this thing. Call it out and open. Call it for what it is. I'm not going to reject you. I'm going to invite you into my presence. Because when you're in my presence, then we can deal with this. And I can free you. I might be the only one excited about this. I don't know. Okay. We repent, we renounce, and then we receive. But it happens also to be a choice. Again, disposition. Receiving. This is a receiving position. It's the same Father, I'm I'm ready. I'm repented, I'm renouncing, now I need to receive. Because you know what? <laughs> I just need you. I need you to make this better, make me better. Help me. Psalms 32, verses 5 through 8. I'm going to read it from the New Living Translation because I just love the way this sounds. Look at what we receive. Finally, I confess all my sins to you and stop trying to hide them. I said to myself, I will confess my rebellion to the Lord. 
and you forgave me. All my guilt is gone. Therefore, let all the godly confess their rebellion to you while there is time, so that they may not drown in the floodwaters of judgment. For you are my hiding place. You protect me from trouble. You surround me with songs of victory. The Lord says, I will guide you along the best pathway for your life. I will advise you and I will watch over you. We receive mercy, cleansing, guilt and shame are gone. We are protected. He hides us. He guides us. He says he's going to give us this path to follow the perfect path for us to follow. Wow. Repenting, renouncing, receiving. This is the lifestyle of a son and daughter of the Most High. Repent, renounce, and receive. I'm going to ask a question, and you don't have to answer it, but I'll be up here to pray for you if this is indeed something that's in your life. I don't want anyone here to leave today if you think God has a big stick and he's just waiting for you to screw up. That is so far from the truth. And it's an ungodly belief. And I believe it's something that you should repent from, renounce, and receive. Maybe no one's here like that today, and that'd be great. If you're walking in that freedom, oh, man, praise God. That's awesome. But if you would like prayer about that today, elders of the church would be ready to just pray for you for that or anything else. I just have it in my mind, and my, I think the Holy Spirit just prompted me that, you know, there's, there might be someone here that kind of, you know, I'm, I'm so afraid of messing up. I'm so afraid of sinning because I know God is going to come down hard on me. Man, you know what? Father says, no, that's not the way I feel towards you. Of course I want you to turn towards me. Of course I do. Of course I don't want you to sin. Of course. But I'm not ready with something to beat you over the head with when you do. I am ready with my hands open wide to bring you into my house. Okay, so let's close. Father, thank you. For today, thank you for your just your wonderful grace that invites us into your presence. That it's always your heart for us to come to you. It is always your heart for us to come home. And that you celebrate us with songs of victory, it says. Wow. That you would sing over us with songs of victory. That you would be thrilled to have us back. And that you're thrilled for us to, to remain and to dwell and to abide. So I pray that, Father, that we would, we would recognize that a walk of holiness is really just a closer walk with you. And you make us holy in the process. You make us righteous in the process. You sanctify us and, and you do all the things in our heart that make us look like your son Jesus. And that is wonderful. So that's what we ask. That you would do this work in us. Bless these wonderful hearts here today. I pray that you would strengthen them for the week ahead. 
that you would give them the grace that they need, that you would give them the courage that they need, that you would give them the provision that they need. I pray for increase for all of them, increase in their finances, in their relationships, and in their health. I pray this blessing over them because they're your sons and daughters. They belong to you. And I know you love them desperately. So we we ask all this and we believe all this in Jesus' name. Amen.